I'm Bug, and I'm small. And I'm Craig, and I'm tall. Welcome to Small and Tall, where two best friends explore movies, franchises, and genres that wouldn't be covered on Permanent Good. Now, uh, uh, for August, we are watching the Tinkerbell movies. Uh, But before we get to that, um, I want to do something. uh, I want to do, I want to set, like, the ground a little bit. So now that... The audience has fallen in love with our bubbly personalities. <laughs> I think it's time for us to take them like through a little bit of a personal history. You know, this show is about best friends reviewing movies. So I think we need to give them a little bit of history on our friendship. Alrighty, where should we start? Uh, it, the year was 1876. <laughs> and I don't know, what was, what was happening around there? Was that, was that a Blinken? Was they blinking around there? Um, I think so. <laughs> so we were at the Emancipation Proclamation. We were there at the speech. And I saw you from across the crowd. You standing there with your Justin Bieber sweatshirt. And I said, this one shall be my friend. <laughs> and I caught your eye across the way and saw you standing there in your flash t-shirt and was like, oh yes, that is my best friend. And let's be clear, when they said that they caught my eye, <laughs> they mean that literally because somebody had like knocked my head and my eye fell out and like they were they were there to catch it. It was actually like, it's stereotypical, like imagine like a 2008 rom-com meet cute, but at the Emancipation Proclamation and it's friendship. Craig was actually the person who jumped in front of a Blinken when somebody was trying to assassinate him and that's what knocked his eye out and I caught it. Did someone try to assassinate Abe Lincoln at the Emancipation Proclamation? No, not that one. Oh, but... <laughs> okay. Okay. Woo! I was about to say, I watched a movie about Lincoln, and I would be really embarrassed if I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, if I'm there in a Justin Bieber t-shirt, then somebody could have very well tried to assassinate Abe Lincoln. I mean, uh, conspiracy theorists, there's your thread. Pull on it. Truly. Uh, so this, uh, for August, we are indeed watching the Tinkerbell movies, uh, and w- we figured this was a good thing to do for us because there, there, there's a personal connection to Tinkerbell in our friendship, being you. I am indeed the connection because I am Tinkerbell in my heart Canonically. and soul. Oh, yeah, sure. That too. Yeah. Uh, hey. <laughs> Yeah, so we just figured, hey, let's do some movies that speak to us. Tinkerbell speaks to Bug, and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I'm here for it. Um, Before I started watching these Tinkerbell movies, I'm like, let's pregame. Let's get a little bit of background knowledge. So I went ahead and I rewatched Peter, I, I watched Peter Pan. I didn't ask anybody to watch Peter Pan with me. It's not part of the itinerary, but I, I just wanted to talk about it for a second. And... um. Bug, when do you think the last time I watched Peter Pan was? When you were six years old. Bug, what if I told you I've never seen Peter Pan all the way through? That just broke my heart. <laughs> it was it was one of the VHS tapes. In all honesty, I probably have seen all of it before, but it was one of those VHS tapes that I had at my grandma's house because she didn't have cable. So, like, we just, like, watched 
stuff in the background. Like the same thing with the Jungle Book. Like I remember it being played. I remember watching it. I just remember none of it. Everything that I know about Peter Pan before watching it yesterday was just like mostly through memes. That's that's valid. Peter Pan is honestly like one of my ultimate, you know, comfort movies. And then also in the live action Peter Pan, Jeremy Sumter was like one of my first ever crushes. So I've been a simp <laughs> for Peter since I was like, when did it come out? It came out in... 2006? 2003. So since I was oh. four years old, I've been a simp for Peter Pan. So we ha- so, so we've got some history going into this. Um, some more than others. Uh, <laughs> um, and just like... What I what I learned from watching Peter Pan and inevitably through these Tinkerbell movies is in my head, Tinkerbell was kind of like this majestic character with a little bit of attitude. A little. No, no, she is. <laughs> Derek, can I say that she's a brat? She's a brat. She's she is a brat. such a brat. Because like in Peter Pan, when one thing does not go her way, she tries to kill someone over it yeah it'd be like that sometimes i i mean like which like fair fair i guess and then you know just in general talking about peter pan i did not know how deeply racist that movie was i knew that movie had like a little bit of racism i was not expecting like the b plot to just be racism Oh, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> so, that being said, we're not talking about Peter Pan. We're here to talk about Tinkerbell. And if you heard a crack in my voice, no, amplify it, boost it, <laughs> ringtone it. Um. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about the first Tinkerbell movie. So, the first Tinkerbell movie is where we are introduced to the backstory of the world's most famous fairy, where... Tinkerbell arrives in Pixie Hollow, born from a baby's first laugh, and she discovers that her destiny is to be a Tinker Fairy, but she's a brat even from her birth and isn't very open-minded and decides that being a Tinker is lame. So this movie takes us through Tinkerbell accepting her destiny while also trying out all the other fairy duties and failing at them and ultimately realizing she is meant to be a tinker and that is what she is best at. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. I just want to say, first of all, you could definitely tell that this was like a... um, The Disney executives were like, we got to do something with Peter Pan. Return to Neverland, bombed. We got to figure something out. And they're like, what about Tinkerbell? And they're like... Yeah, yeah, sure, let's do Tinkerbell. And then they just do, like, if it, it, I feel like it's only a Tinkerbell movie by name alone, right? Like, there's no connection. Yes. And so, which, like, is fine, you know? You go into this and it's like, it's a movie about fairies. It's not a movie about Peter Pan's fairy. Does that make sense? Yes, it's, it's like... The beginning, because, or, well, I don't, I don't even know, like, I guess we'll learn as we watch the movies, more of the other movies, but, like, 
Do they even tell how she met Peter Pan? Do we see how they ended up together? Find out later. But <laughs> how, many, how many of these have you seen before? Um, let me let me look at our list to be reminded. I know that I haven't seen the Pirate Fairy. I think I've only seen the first three, in all honesty. Okay, okay. Um, so yeah, it's very much a. We're, we take this thing that you already know, and then we're going to just boost everything around it. Um, and also, with that thing you said about Tinkerbell, you know, not wanting to be a tinker, I don't blame her. <laughs> oh, in all honesty, I don't blame her. Like, when you are surrounded by fairies that can control water, control the sun, control wind, gives everyone the magic to fly. It's like, I'm stuck with a hammer and acorns? Yeah, I'd be a little upset too. Okay, like, Fairy Mary, Clank, and Bobble, who are all tinker fairies that Tinkerbell meets, and they're like the main tinker fairies that we meet throughout the series... You might argue they, the only Tinker Fairies we meet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they constantly tell Tinkerbell that she should be proud to be a Tinker, but then they don't give her reasons as to why she should be proud. They're just like, it's an honor to be a Tinker. You should be proud. And then they're like, that's it. We're just going to be ominous with it. We're not going to tell you anything that's going on. We're not going to even give you a heads up that we can't go to the mainland, even though that's what you want to do. And so she had to be embarrassed to find all these things out because none of them give her any information. Yeah, and, like, the Tinker Fairies, like, don't do much. Like, for, from what the first movie, like, tells them, or, like, tells us, pretty much all they do is go on deliveries. They go on deliveries and then they also, like, build all the stuff to help carry the stuff to the mainland for the other fairies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're just, okay. they're, they're the background workers. And Tinkerbell is like, no, I'm a brat and I want to be the center of attention. Let me go yeah. to the mainland. The tinkers, the tinker fairies are the stage crew of fairies. Yes, exactly. So this, these movies just in general radiate very strong Barbie energy. Like, that that was the thing that I was thinking about the most through this, is it's just, like, these are Barbie movies with a fairy, like, sheen over them. Which, like, isn't a bad thing, you know? Like, a lot of people unironically love those Barbie movies, and, you know, people have a reason to. They're cheesy and silly. Craig, you know what this means, right? Does it mean we have to watch all the Barbie movies? <laughs> it means we have to watch all the Barbie movies. <sighs> okay. Yeah, sure. Oh, my God. You set yourself up for that one. <laughs> it's not going to be for a minute. I'll tell no. you that much. No, it'll be a while. But it's happening. <laughs> so, I just want to say, uh, what's his name? Bobble. Uh, was so... Voiced by Rob Paulson, it was almost distracting. Um, Rob Paulson is the guy that voiced Carl from Jimmy Neutron, but the ah. voice that he did for Bobble was much more similar to that of Pinky from Pinky and the Brain. You're right. So every time I heard Bobble, it was just Pinky with a little bit of an accent on it. 
this cast is honestly so stacked. Like for no reason. So stacked. for no reason. Because they knew that they had to sell it. They were like, "We got, we got to be able to sell this one." After the return to Neverland debacle, these gotta, these gotta do well, and yeah. they did. Um, cause the other one that I noticed off the top, like, was America Ferreira was in it. Mm-hmm. And Raven Simone, Lucy Liu, Mae Whitman, like, Kristen Chenoweth as well. Yeah. Who's very obviously in this movie because her voice is very recognizable. So- and as a solo, and and Jesse McCartney is also in this movie. <laughs> and, and... I know Jesse McCartney the most as Dick Grayson from Young Justice, so I heard a l- I heard a lot of that coming through uh, with Terrence. Also, this first movie, if there weren't sequels, like I would be surprised that they sprung for Jesse McCartney when he is like two lines in this whole movie. Honestly, and I was like super excited when I found out that he was like actually voicing a character in this when I was little because I was in love with Jesse McCartney like biggest crush on him loved his music had his CDs made of friendships out of getting his CDs and <laughs> nowadays his TikTok scares me but <laughs> ominous love it hearing hearing his voice in these is just a, another splash of nostalgia so in general Bobble and Clank. They are fine side characters. I, I don't think they're anything to write home write home about, but the the trait that I notice the most, specifically in this first movie, is they have they end up lying to Fairy Mary a lot. Like half the conversations they have with Fairy Mary, just a straight up lie. But also they're the worst liars on the planet. It's like, it's like, are you missing a wheel? No, we uh, we just, we are, we're um, we, we're uh, gosh, what a great question. We are, and I'm like, guys, say literally anything. Anything. They spent they spent so much time stammering that I would have, no matter what they told me, even if it was the truth, I would have been like, you're lying. The fact that it took you this long to come up, you are lying. They're just they're just dumb and dumber in fairy form. Which is not who I would want crafting the boats to take us to the mainland. I know. So what I'm saying is Bobble and Clank, not valid Tinker Fairies. Fairy Mary, valid Tinker Fairy. But Fairy Mary is kinda like She's mean in this movie. Like, Tinkerbell is obviously struggling, and she's just like, you're such a disappointment as a Tinker Fairy. And it's like... She's a little bit of a hashtag girl boss. Just a little. And I'm like, chill out. Take a chill pill, Fairy Mary. God, she's new at this. Do you know what I didn't get? Was like, why... You guys are Tinker Fairies. Your whole deal is that you want to be innovative, and you want to... Like, make new things. You want to make things. Why do you discard all the lost things? Why Literally. is Tinkerbell the first Tinker Fairy to be like, maybe I could use this thing that was used specifically for building? She has so many 
good ideas that just need a little work to like flesh out the kinks in them and they're just like oh sweetie bless your heart and it's like you guys should want this like this is new innovative things that'll make your jobs even easier than they already are and there's like a bit and every time Tinkerbell does something and it doesn't work, all the Tinkers make fun of her when they should be trying to help. Can you imagine if you worked at like a software development company and like your thing didn't work and everybody was like, well, that sucked. You're fired. And instead of like, oh, I can see where you were going with this. Let's work on it together, which no one does this whole first movie. No, like the only... The other fairies that Tinkerbell is friends with, they're like, uh, this isn't going to work when you try and do what we do, but we'll give you a shot. And then there's Vidya, who literally is the reason that Spring almost gets delayed, even though she tries to blame it on Tinkerbell. <laughs> I hate Vidya so much. <gasps> I oh my loathe God. her. Like, listen, I get it. It's a kid's movie. Like, okay, I also want to say... I am very, like, something that irks me to my core is when somebody looks at an animated movie and immediately calls it a kid's movie, simply because it's animated. However, this is a kid's movie. Let's not get it. This is a kid's movie. Yes. Uh, And I know that they need to make the antagonist very, like, black and white. Like, these are the good fairies, and this is the mean fairy. But, like, do they have to go that hard? She's a straight-up bully. Straight-up bully. Like, so, I also want to say that, what's her name, like, Silver Mist? Not very patient when it comes to teaching. No. She, like, she shows, so there's a scene where Tinkerbell decides she doesn't want to be a Tinker Fairy, because that means she can't go to the mainland. So, she tries to get taught a new skill by one of her new fair by one of her fairy friends with different powers and silver mist being a water fairy tries to teach her how to like carry a dew do drop from or a water droplet from a drop. Or, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> tries to get a water droplet from like the lake or river and put it onto a spider web and she shows tinker bell how to do this once and then just starts like come on come on you can do it you can do it and then she starts getting mad at tinkerbell for being angry about it i'm like hey you showed her once calm down and fawn shows tinkerbell one time how to teach the baby birds how to fly and then it's like you get that one i'd be like absolutely not i'm gonna kill this bird okay although i do want to say Tinkerbell learned nothing from watching her. Tinkerbell, like, this fairy is, like, being super gentle. Hey, we can do this. I know you're scared, but you have to learn how to fly. Let's do this. And then Tinkerbell goes over, and she's like, come on, come on, come on, learn to fly. And I'm like, hey, wrong, wrong, actually. Tinkerbell is the first year kindergarten teacher. (laughs) She's the first year kindergarten teacher that was taught by a drill sergeant. Yeah. She's like, let's go. And it gets all up in his face. Uh, And then uh, Vidya, she tries to learn the wind power from Vidya. Like, so that way she can fly super fast. And Vidya is like, 
I have an idea. I'm going to take her out to the field of living of living weeds and basically try to kill her. Um, and that uh, causes a Lion King stampede that destroys all the spring flowers and sets everybody back. And they don't think they can do spring anymore. And like Tinkerbell's idea to catch the thistles was working. But Vidya then let them all out and ruined her little corral, which ruined everything. It would have worked for two or three thistle weeds. Okay, yeah. She brought... But but that's what I'm saying. It's like, is it, it would have worked in small numbers. Vidya looked at that and like, oh, we can't have that. And it sucks because Vidya's the hottest fairy. Uh, Can I say that? just because you're a simp for goth girls. I mean, call them like you see them, I guess. <laughs> um, and then we do this whole, like, Tinkerbell building things montage. Okay, okay. What do you think was the first thing that made me cry? Oh, I have notes for this. So, um, so Bug watched this, like, a day before I did. So, and they sent me Snapchat saying, oh, this is when I cried, this is when I cried, and this is when I cried. Cry count was four. Okay, so first one was when she fixed the uh, music box. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know you. I read you. Uh, There's a a really pretty scene where Tinkerbell figures out that she can... Like, this is the scene where, like, oh, we should be using the lost things. And so she uses the lost things to fix a music box with a ballerina on top. It is a very cute scene. Cry number two was was the aftermath of the weeds in the garden. Yeah. Yep. Okay. When everybody's yelling at her. Yeah. Cry. Okay, now this is where thing. I'm going to say cry. I didn't take notes for the other two. So I'm going to say that cry three was when approximately when they were like painting the ladybugs. No. Okay, when was cry three? Cry three was I'm a tinker. That's who I am. Okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. And I'm going to say that cry four was cry four when she dropped off the music box. Yeah. 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 All right. Three for four. That's a passing grade. Um, you know me too well. Yeah. So after, so Tinkerbell like makes everybody new tools so that they can fix spring on time. It's a fine sequence, you know. Um, and then Tinkerbell gets her dream. She gets to go to the mainland. And she doesn't do too much on the mainland, right? Not really. It's just a lot of montages. Yeah, it's all the other fairies doing their own thing. And then she's she's mainly there to drop off the music box, which is the first nod we get to Peter Pan. Yeah. Listen, Fairy Mary says you should deliver this to the girl that owns it to the mainland. And Tinkerbell says, how will I know who it is? And Fairy Mary says, oh, you'll just know. Could they not have tried a little bit harder? (laughs) (laughs) Like, give us literally any BS excuse. Like a name tag on the bottom of the music box, something. If there was a a sticker at the bottom of the box that said WD, 
I would have believed that. I would have been just like, okay. W darling, like anything. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. And but even though they were vague AF with that description, I'm like everybody knew it was gonna be Wendy's, right? Yeah. Like everybody. Like nobody's nobody was surprised by that, right? It was cute. It was cute. Definitely liked it, but not a surprise. So before you mentioned that Terrence has like three lines throughout the entire mo- movie, which is Jesse McCartney's character, for those who don't know. Um, but one of the scenes that almost makes me cry is when Tink is going to get some fairy dust because she's like, I'm leaving. I don't I can't be here anymore. I'm a disappointment, you know, being her dramatic self. And Terrence is just like, you do great things. And he's like, I'm just, you know, a dust fairy. And Tinkerbell goes on this rant about how, like, he should be proud of who he is and all this stuff, even if he thinks he's nobody. Because that's what he says. He's like, I'm just a nobody. I'm just a dust fairy. And then after that, after Tinkerbell goes, you should be proud. He just goes, I am. Which kind of, like, puts Tinkerbell in her place because, like, it kind of shows her that, you know... You don't have to be, like, this big, amazing thing to still matter and play your part. And you can still have a humble role, but be proud of it and be proud of who you are and what your talent is. Yeah. And the scene, like, right before that, she's talking to to Clank and Bobble. And she's basically ranting to them, like... Man, I hate being a tinker. Being a tinker sucks. There's a lot of dialogue in this movie about how Tinkerbell hates being a tinker. Um, Mm -hmm. And she, like, looks at them and she goes, like, all tinkers suck. And, And she's like, oh, but not you guys. You guys are good tinkers. And I'm like, oh, whatever. You dug yourself a hole. Live in it. And she does, but she tries to run away because she just said that to them. Yeah, this movie, it's fine. It is like, like I said, it is about the level of quality that you would expect from like a, um, like a Disney Channel animated Tinkerbell movie with Barbie level animation. Like, it's not, it is not bad. I did not hate watching it. But like, as far as like cinema craft goes, you know, it's, it's fine. It's fine. There's also a scene with Clank and Bobble where they find a perfume bottle (laughs) and, like, Bobble puts his mouth on, like, the sprayer while Clank... And he's playing it like a trumpet. Yeah, and Clank squeezes this, like, the actual thing that causes it to spray into his mouth and then he's... Clank, our Bobble obviously starts coughing and then Clank goes, you smell funny. And that has to be a specific reference to something for adults, 21 and older only, <laughs> that they had, that they hid in there. Because <laughs> he's coughing and then you have someone being like, oh, you smell funny. <laughs> Getting a little turnt on that fume if you catch my drift. <laughs> Uh, anything else you wanted to say about this? Uh, no, I think we, we covered everything. All right. I'm giving this a flat six. I'm it's, gonna, it's, yeah. I'm going I'm gonna give it a seven. Yeah, totally fair. Like with movies like these, it's just a matter of if it's your thing or not. Definitely. 
So the last movie, the, the first Tinkerbell movie, is uh, teaching her how to uh, respect the fact that she may not always be in the spotlight. It's, hey, sometimes it's okay. <clears throat> It's, hey, sometimes the people that work behind the scenes are the most important of them all. You know, like, be proud of who you are no matter where you are. And then this next movie, she gets the most center spotlight position in Pixie Hollow? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for that season. I'm going to be honest. There was a lot of lore. There was a lot of exposition. I didn't catch all of it. Yeah, it's, it's a lot, all of a sudden. That they just throw at you. Yeah. It's like, the first movie is like, hey, these this is Pixie Hollow. They are in charge of changing the seasons and everything that nature has to offer. And then Lost Treasure is like, hey, we collect energy from the moon once every 400 years. Or like, however Eight. often they do. Okay. They capture the energy from the moon and turn it into pixie dust. So we need a magical scepter that holds this magical rock so we can do it. Um, So this movie starts out with the transition into autumn. So we got the transition into spring last time and now we're transitioning into autumn. And Fawn tucks the animals in for hibernation. And I think that's really cute to think of fairies tucking the animals in for their hibernation. Why? Hold on. Why did we go to autumn? Uh, Apparently there probably wasn't that big of a deal to transition into summer. And it's the autumn moon. So they wanted to do that storyline. All right. Sure. Why not? Carry on. <laughs> um, and in this, in Tinkerbell and the Lost Treasure, it has a lot more of Tinkerbell and Terrence's friendship, which apparently between spring and summer, they became absolute best friends. So Terrence, or Jesse McCartney's character, is a much bigger role in this one. Yeah, this dude went from three lines to a three-act structure. Yes. And this movie starts with, like, Tinkerbell using more lost items and, like, showing us that, like, Pixie Hollow has adapted to inventing with the uh, with the lost items. And she does she makes a boat out of whatever I was. And uh, the thing that I noticed was a playing card was the rotor. And I'm like, that's not going to work. That's going to like crumble in like three days max, Um, you know. She doesn't know. She doesn't know that cards are made out of paper. I'm li- I'm willing to cut her some slack. She's a but, fairy. But she uh, crashes the boat, and everyone makes fun of her because her prototype doesn't work on the first t- try. And I'm like, hey, bud, when was the last time you made anything? Terrence is very supportive, though. He's like, that was cool. Yeah. And then, but everybody like. Apparently, over summer, Tinkerbell must have shown her temper because everybody, Terrence is like, oh, or at least you handled this well. And then he's like, oh, wait, no, you didn't, because she explodes and turns into her typical red face that we first see in Peter Pan. Yeah, that, that was cool. That was cool. Um, I like how in Peter Pan, it's like when Tinkerbell is angry, she turns into... Just a red, like as red as possibly can be. But in these movies, she just gets like a shade of red. Like she just gets like a a, a, a rosy cheeks, pretty much. Right. She 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 just gets a little angry flush. Yeah, 
which is like, I want to know who hurt her. Right? Because like in these movies, she's not she's a, she's a brat, but she's not villainous. I want to know what happened between these movies and Peter Pan to where she's like, oh, I'm jealous of Wendy. Time to kill her. Yeah. <laughs> she becomes a little bit vindictive as she gets older, doesn't she? Yeah. Also, do they just use the term pixie and fairy interchangeably? Yes. Okay. Are we okay with that? I mean, for children, yeah. yeah. But when you it's get the, into like actual lore, maybe not. Maybe this is not the hill we should die on. Exactly. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So, like I said, Tinkerbell gets the biggest job that, you know, the Tinker clan can have, which is like, we need a scepter every time that we need to use the moonstone. Uh, the. One of the, I don't even know what they're called. What are they called? Because they're not all seasons. The little groups, like the families. Um, Do they have a name? It's like they're talents. But hold on, let me let me look it up because there is a specific name. Um, yeah, I don't even I don't even know because like like there's like. The heads of the seasons, but then, like, all the others are just, like, groups for, like, their specific talents. So I don't know if there's actually a name. Um, yeah, so uh, we can just call them groups, fractions. I guess. <laughs> They're fractions. Um, yeah, so each fraction gets... It, wouldn't it be faction? Yeah. Okay. Each faction <laughs> uh, takes turns building this scepter that will hold the moonstone. And, uh, you know, it's the Tinker's time. I keep wanting to say Tinkerers, but I but they make a point to always say Tinker and not Tinkerer. Yes. Um. So it's the Tinker's turn to do it. And Tinkerbell gets nominated by Fairy Mary. And everyone's like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Tinkerbell kind of sucks. Uh, and she's like, no, I trust her. She'll get it done. And would you believe it? Tinkerbell runs into some trouble. Yes, and for reasons that if she just was patient and didn't have her temper would not have happened at all. Well, uh, I do want to defend her a little bit. because So she builds the scepter and she invites Terrence to help her. And that's fine. They work well together. Until they don't. And Terrence was kind of being a bad partner. <laughs> she, But she wasn't saying anything. That's what I mean. She wasn't communicating. She wasn't like, hey, I need you to take a couple steps back. Because he was just excited. He was. And I de- like it is definitely a both sides are wrong situation. Yes. But, like, Terrence... This is not your first time hanging out with Tinkerbell. The fact that you guys have not communicated that she needs space is kind of just a fault in the friendship. Truly. Yeah, so uh, I keep wanting to... I have the name Joel McNeely on my screen because that's who did the music for this movie. And so I keep wanting to call Terrence Joel, but that's not right. <laughs> um, so Terrence is bugging Tinkerbell and eventually she snaps and she's like, hey... Terrence, I need you to find me something really sharp. And so he goes out there 
to find something sharp. He brings back a compass, which is round. And I know that he was talking about the needle on the compasses with sharp. But yes. Also, but also, you did... Why didn't you just bring back the needle? You, you right. How, like, hey, Terrence, how did you look at this compass and be like, yes, this is this whole thing, the whole package that we got going on here, this is what she was asking for. It's literally just to set up the rest of the plot. That's the only yeah. reason he brings it all back. Because... Eventually, because they have an argument and the compass starts rolling around the workshop and eventually crashes into the scepter, breaking it into pieces. Okay, but it didn't even look like it'd be that difficult to fix. It looked like it would have taken like 10 minutes to put the pieces back together and then it would have been fine, but Tinkerbell blew her top. It definitely looked like it broke into Lego pieces. Let's be clear. (laughs) Um... And then she, yeah, she blows up at Terrence, he leaves, and then after he left, the compass head, or face, I guess you would call it, swings open and smashes the moonstone. After Tinkerbell kicks it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and so now the one and only moonstone that they use to power the, you know, that they need to get blue pixie dust, it's gone. It's gone. They're... Pixie dust supply is now not going to happen. So then, Tinkerbell's like scrambling to try and be like, okay, what do I do? What can I do? And she ends up at fairy tale night, right? Where they tell stories. All the the fairies gather and some of the fairies start telling their lore and like other fairy tales. And in this scene, the pixie dust animation is so beautiful. Yeah, it really was. I was actually, like, genuinely surprised. Like, oh, this, like, this looks cool. Yeah, it was so beautiful. So, Craig, do you want to tell the story? No, I don't remember. (laughs) All I know, listen, this is all I remember from watching it, and I watched it yesterday. There was a pirate ship that had a mirror that had three wishes on it. Mm -hmm. Then the pirates used two of the wishes for, who knows, guess it's not important, And then the ship crashes with the mirror on it and the third wish still stored on it. And nobody has gotten to it and used that third wish. Correct. That's it. Uh, That's it. But she tells whoever is telling this story tells this story for like five minutes. (laughs) There's a lot more detail, but that's the gist of it. (laughs) And so Tinkerbell uses what she heard from the story. And she's like, if I can get this mirror... I can make a wish and wish for a moonstone. And once she's like, I can wish for another moonstone, I'm like, or, or hear me out, you wish to not need the moonstone. That's my personal take. I don't know. (laughs) I feel, I feel like, I feel like the let's get another moonstone solves the right now problem. But there is also a problem of what if this happens again? Which she wasn't thinking about, which is fair. She was in the moment. Sometimes it's hard to think that far ahead. I but, didn't even think of that. So she goes back to the workshop. She takes the like directions that she learned from the story. And, but the problem is we're running out of pixie dust. And pixie dust is what makes everything fly. So she tries to coerce Fairy Gary, which let's be clear. There are now two fairies that have names that rhyme with fairy. Fairy Mary, Fairy Gary. 
Fairy Gary, Mary Gary, Fairy Gary, Gary, Mary Fairy. Do you think they're in love? How awfully heteronormative of you, bud. <laughs> Trying Just... to push a straight romance in a movie about fairies? They're both Scottish and they're named Mary and Gary, okay? Maybe they're siblings. Um, Maybe they're siblings. Don't make That'd it be weird. weird. Don't make it you weird. made it weird. You made it weird. I just asked if they were in love. Hey, get in the comments. Tell us if you think they're in love and if it's incestuous or not. Oh, God. Now, yeah, so Tinkerbell tries to get Pixie Dust from Fairy Gary. He's like, nope, we're running so low, we have to ration it. You already have your ration. And then she tries to get some from Terrence, who... They're still not on speaking terms. They're, they're not happy with each other. And Terrence is like, oh, my God, I'm so glad that we get to apologize to each other and make up and like we can get our friendship back on track. And Tinkerbell's like, OK, cool. Can you get me some pixie dust now? And he's like, you used me for land development um, for pixie dust. That joke wasn't funny. I'm going to cut that. <laughs> uh uh, and Terrence is like, you just wanted to be friends again so you could get pixie dust. And she's like, well, yeah, a little bit. And he also says no. So now she has to use what little pixie dust she has to magicate, to magicalize, to pixie, to make a balloon float. Faith, trust, and pixie dust is how you fly. Hey, guys, a little um, behind the scenes look at what goes on at uh, Small and Tall. Um... I get uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe our Snapchat streak was about to die. Yeah. Uh, yep. Our Snapchat streak was about to die. So Bug just sent me a Snapchat real quick. Uh, mid recording. Uh, what's going on in the background? Who, who is someone watching TV? No, the TV's just on because I just finished oh. watching this movie. But um, my cat is sitting literally right next to me, and I wanted to show Craig that she's my she's my little supporter, and she's cute. Yeah, she is. Uh, 10 out of 10. Uh, c- check out next month's episode where we do Small and Tall in Shadow. <laughs> she has a lot to say. Lots to say. Um, so Okay, so she got pixie dust on the balloon and now it flies. Right. <laughs> she literally built a whole hot air balloon. We go through this scene where she can't even like properly build a boat that stays together, but then all of a sudden she's capable of building this hot air balloon. Hey, it's like you said, faith, trust, and pixie dust, baby. I guess so. And, you know, she starts flying. The journey starts with her, like, flying through a jungle. And it was at that point where I realized, if I tried to do any of what Tinkerbell is doing, I would die instantly. Like, (laughs) if I were to try to build a hot air balloon by myself, I would die. Even with the help of pixie dust, I would die. Uh, If I was flying through a jungle trying to get to a specific location using only a map and a sextant, I would die. And when I landed at the rocks, I would figure out a way. I would die. So <laughs> so her- I, rec- I commend Tinkerbell for being resilient. Yes, and her journey... Um, Which, let's be also- clear, is at the halfway point in the movie. There are two. This is there are two parts of this movie. It's I broke the moonstone and let's fly in the balloon. Pretty much, but um, this is where we have more nods to Peter Pan because we have like the reference to pirates for like Captain Hook and them, and then we she also flies by the Skull Rock 
or the Skull Island that we see in Peter Pan pretty frequently. Yeah, and this is also where we get introduced to a new character, because what Disney movie would be complete without uh, an animal companion that one person does all the talking for? And it's so cute. It's a firefly, and his name is Blaze. Yes, it was a pretty cute firefly. Although I will say, very fit for Tinkerbell, because he is also a little bit of a brat. Yeah, and she tries to send him away, which makes me cry every time, but then they become best friends. I don't know, I get it. This dude just, like, like cramped up into my crib, ate all my food, and like is asleep in my food bag i would not be happy with that either i wouldn't either but you know he's cute (laughs) he can't stay (laughs) mad at him for too long uh watch me look i have a demon for a cat that's also the cutest (laughs) cat you'll ever see so i have experience Uh, yeah, she flies, she lands on, you know, she basically follows the instructions. With some hiccups along the way, she needs some help from animal friends. Of course, in typical Disney fashion. In typical Disney fashion. And then she makes it to the pirate ship. Well, let's talk about, to get to the pirate ship, she has to cross the troll bridge, which she thought was a toll bridge. And... That scene is, like, really hard to get through when you're an adult and not an actual child because they're just, like, the trolls are just trying to be intimidating while also insulting each other. But there's a very important part that's in that because the trolls are insulting each other, right? While Tinkerbell's just like, can I pass through here or not? And one of the trolls takes his insult a little too far and hurts the other's feelings. And then the one troll whose feelings got hurt is, like, say the magic words and the other troll is like i'm sorry and then the other troll who got his feelings hurt is like do you mean it and do you feel it and like that's the only way he's gonna accept the apology is if the other troll means it and he feels it and i think that's very important in teaching children on how to make proper apologies is to make sure when you apologize that you mean that you're sorry and that you feel sorry about it Hey, so uh, just a quick PSA to anyone I have ever apologized to. I guess I did not apologize to you because I haven't felt anything in three years. Jesus. And also these trolls, one of them, let's I'm pretty sure they were both voiced by Clank and Bobble. One of them, definitely Rob Paulson. I now I have my ear tuned to Rob Paulson now. I will be able to catch that man. Anywhere on this planet. Yep, he was the tall troll. Who was mean. He was the mean troll. Yes, he was the mean troll. And and then eventually Tinkerbell did what we were kind of hoping that she would have done five minutes ago, which was sneak behind them while they were arguing. She eventually gets around <laughs> to that. So we get to the pirate ship and she finds the mirror pretty easily. I guess it was just a matter of nobody tried to look before. She um, uses she uses the sharp object that Terence originally brought her, which is the needle in the compass, to slice open a bag which holds jewels and the mirror. And she finds the mirror, 
and she's trying to figure out like the right wording to get what she wants, like to wish what she wants. And Blaze is all up in her ear. He's like buzzing and making a bunch of sounds. He's and being a brat. just yeah, being a brat. And just offhandedly, you know, kind of just sharply, Tinkerbell just says, like, I wish you would be quiet for like one minute. And apparently that counted as the wish, because that's what happens. Blaze is quiet for a minute. Third and, and final wish, and she wasted it on Blaze. And she gets super upset about that. She's talking to the mirror, like, can we please get it back? I wish I could get it back. And then she starts talking to a reflection of Terrence. And she's like, oh, I wish you were here. I feel so bad. I feel so sorry. And Terrence is like, but I am here. And Tinkerbell's like, no, but I wish you were really here. And he's like, but I am really here. And she's like, no, I wish you were standing right next to me. And he's like, take him right here. I am literally next to you. Turn around. And uh, Terrence, you know, followed her, um, which is cool and dedication. Man, dare I say simp? Simp. 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 Uh, Terrence flew as far as he could, and then he recovers the hot air balloon that got lost along the way. It's not that big a deal. They get back on the balloon and they're like, well, what do we do? We don't have a moonstone. They get back on the balloon after a really intense scene of them being chased by rats that really was just put there for like, I don't know, to keep the kids interested. It didn't really seem plot forwarding. (laughs) I feel like they put it in there because they needed three more minutes of movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So... Yeah, they're chased by rats, and they make it back to... There's, like, a moment where, like, Terrence, like, almost sacrifices himself. Okay, you're actually... I'm actually so glad that you brought up the rat scene, because there's something that I really wanted to talk about, because (laughs) there's a part where she's like, oh, I know how to scare away the rats, and she goes to, like, make, like, a shadow monster that uh, she learned how to do earlier in the movie. Again, not important. And she hands Terrence the sharp object and she goes, hold them off while I go do this. And in my head, I'm like, what does hold them off mean? Because this is a Disney movie. He's not going to stab any rats. It's not like he has a torch that he knows will scare away the light. Is he just going to wave this sharp stick at them for a little bit? And then all he does is wave this sharp stick at them for a little bit. It's super awkward. He's because they do. They have like a shot of him for like 30 seconds where he's just like waving it like a sword in front of him. And he's just like not doing anything. And I'm like, bud, what's going on? (laughs) You know what I was thinking this entire scene? Give it to me. The rat. The rats. The rats. We're, We're the rats. The rats. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> um, but after they escape the rats, they get on the balloon and they're like, well, we don't have the moonstone. We don't have any more wishes. What do we do about it? Then, because of Blaze's shiny little firefly butt on a diamond, they realize that it refracts the light. And that they can put all of the pieces of the Moonstone on the scepter because Terrence, of course, brought the pieces of the broken scepter to Tink. 
And and yeah, and they build like this cool little like spider web scepter where they put the diamond in the center so the moonbeam hits the diamond refracts and then hits all the bits of the moon stone which is cool yes and it brings forth the most blue pixie dust fairy dust that they've ever seen do they give us a definitive reason why no you uh, you could argue it's because there's probably more surface area Yes. With the broken moonstones, but like you you would have to remember that. <laughs> and of course, when everybody sees that the moonstone is not in orb form, they're like <gasps> the horror. But then Tink is like, "Wait, you just have to wait." And then of course, she proves everybody's, you know, I I what's the word, like. Uh, not perhaps they they don't have faith in her and she proves everybody wrong as always yeah and then so yeah so she produces the blue pixie fairy dust with the moonstone and then they do like this really awkward like it's not it's not even a new scene it's in that same scene where the queen like thanks Tinkerbell and she gives this really awkward monologue where it's like let us all know that this would not have been possible without the help of Tinkerbell and then Tinkerbell just starts like gesturing towards Terrence and she's like oh yes and Terrence and then (laughs) Blaze gets in too and she starts gesturing towards Blaze and she's like and this guy, I guess. And <laughs> Our new friend, Blaze. I wanted to... Oh, it was so cringy. I wanted to die. So this movie shows... Our, well, both of these movies actually show us that even fairies get everything done last minute. So that makes me feel better <laughs> about my procrastination. <laughs> yeah, because she crash lands the ceremony. Like, yeah. she could have hurt somebody. I loved the very, like, last line of the movie, which is the treasure of true friendship will never lose its glow. Yeah. And that was that was really yeah. cute. And I was like, oh, d- I was like, oh, that, that's me and Craig. <laughs> this movie has, th- these movies have lots of cute moments. There's absolutely no denying that. Um, did Selena Gomez sing the song for this one, too, or was it just the first one? Uh, let me look real quick. I have it up. Because, so yeah, so she sings the credits song, basically, for the first Tinkerbell movie. And this movie came out in 2008. So Selena Gomez was, what, 14, 15? This is, like, right as Wizards is starting. There's no Selena Gomez, but Allison Stoner did perform one of them. Okay, okay. So, yeah, Selena Gomez did the- Oh, wait. Demi Lovato did one, too. So it wasn't okay. Selena, it was Demi for this one. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I just remember hearing the Selena Gomez song at the end of the first one. And even though I haven't heard her sing from the Wizards era of her life, since the Wizard era of her life, I immediately recognized her voice. I'm like, <laughs> this sounds so familiar. Is this Selena Gomez in a Tinkerbell movie? And it was. Indeed. Lo and behold, uh, I think I have to. 
I think I'm giving Lost Treasure also a flat six. I'm gonna there, I'm gonna agree with you. It this one's this one's a six. It's a it does a little bit more in terms of plot. I uh, the a criticism that I kind of had about the first one is like nothing really happened, but this one there actually is stuff happening. But it's all for naught. The second half of the movie means nothing. But yeah, it's it's fine. Flat six. Flat six. Now let's move on to Tinkerbell and the Great Fairy Rescue. I I am very ready to talk about this movie. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start off a little bit negative, and I'm gonna say that this is probably my least favorite of the ones we've watched so far. That is exactly what I was gonna say. This one did not keep my attention at all. Cause like, hey, this one's called The Great Fairy Rescue. Not much rescuing happening, actually. In fact, Tinkerbell very rarely needs to be rescued. Like she's good to go and then all the other fairies are like oh no she's in danger but like yeah (laughs) yeah so this whole movie like first of all the intro to this movie is like hey we are on the mainland all summer and everybody's there all the fairies or all the summer related fairies the warm fairies yes so after a little bit, Tinkerbell is like, oh, I want to see what this is about. And so she starts exploring human, uh, like she sees a carriage that she wants to explore. And everyone's like, hey, Tinkerbell, don't go near human stuff. It's kind of like the one thing we have is the don't number, go to human stuff. The number one rule. Don't let the humans know that fairies exist and don't be seen by the humans and if you uh, have understood tinkerbell's characterization at all over the last two movies you can guess where this is going (laughs) tink just doesn't know how to listen I, i i don't know if she doesn't know how to listen or she just actively chooses to disobey things and i don't know which one's worth worse i'm I'm pretty sure it's an active choice to not listen because she's like, well, it's worked out for me in the end the other time. So, like, how bad could it get? I guess. Yeah. So her and Vidya go to, like, like I said, they go to explore this carriage and she's like, oh, how does it work? So this chain brings the car, like, turns the wheels. But how do we get the chain to work? And while that starts, um, it starts to rain. Which is how we learn, oh, fairies can't fly in the rain. Fair. But and it also it also doesn't make sense because there's literally water fairies. So, like, do they just have to be, like, incredibly careful not to get their wings dude, wet? I thought about this later on in the movie. I'll circle back to that. But, like, what do water fairies do? What do they do if they cannot fly in the rain? That's, like, kind of... When you think of water, it is bodies of water and precipitation. If mm-hmm. you ixnay 50% of that, you're bad at your job. Yes. <laughs> um. Oh, so the first thing that I wanted to say is my first note is like during the intro of this movie, like while they're reintroducing all the characters, like we see Blaze for like literally a half of a second. And my thought, my first thought was, Man, I'm kind of surprised that Blaze is also in this movie. He's not. He's not. Nope. He was <laughs> just there to the, make sure. 
and he's not in the next movie either. So I guess they just wanted us to know that Blaze is safe and sound and uh, not have to care about him anymore. I also think it's kind of weird that they decided to just go and be like, okay, we're going to start with spring, then we're going straight to autumn, then we'll go back to summer, and then after that, in the next movie we'll talk about, it goes to winter. Yeah, I was thinking this, I was so confused in Lost Treasure because I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense chronologically, we skipped something. No, and then speaking of Blaze not being in the movie, we see Terrence at the opening scene who tells Tink that you cannot be seen by fairies, and then all the fairies go on a rescue, and Terrence doesn't show up again until the end. Where was Terrence during this rescue? Listen, Terrence, he's he's a hump and dump kind of guy, apparently. Gregory, you cannot say that about (laughs) fairy movies. Um, I can and I will. <laughs> oh my <laughs> so, god. So, uh, Vidya and Tinkerbell are under this, uh, it's, it's a car, right? Yeah, it's like, this, this movie reminds us that this is set pre-1900s. Yeah, so, uh, they see this, like, very, very rudimentary car, and, um, then it starts raining, and... Long story short, um, well, it starts raining. That's when we learn that they can't fly. So they have to walk back to camp. And while they're walking, they see a home, a quote unquote fairy home. And Tinkerbell is like, yo, I'm going to check this out. And uh, Vidya, you need to. And Vidya. (laughs) Tell us what Vidya did. Tell us what Vidya did. Vidya, being the vindictive little brat she is, is like, Tink, don't go in the house. We're not supposed to go near the fairy things. It's the number one rule. And then Tink doesn't listen in pure Tinkerbell fashion. So Vidya's like, fine. What a surprise! She's like, fine. I'll teach you a lesson. And slams the door on Tink. And then, (laughs) lo and behold, can't get the door back open. And I just want to say Tinkerbell is incredibly oblivious to most things. Because she, I, I want to say that she gets hyper focused incredibly easily, because she's, she's like, because she's like working on a clock or something in the house, and Tinker and Vidya is like, "Hey, there's a human coming, and the door is stuck. You need to get out now. This is literally a life or death situation." And Tinkerbell could not care less. She well, is just, she- she's got her mitts all up in that clock, and she's like, "Whatever." She thinks Vidya's just still playing a trick on her because Vidya initially was playing a trick on her. So she's like, okay, Vidya, you could do better than that. Not going to fall for it this time. But Vidya's like, no, I'm not joking. And uh, Vidya is able to get away. But because Tinkerbell is stuck in this house, she does get captured feels like a strong word for what happens. But she does get taken by a child. Yeah. Whose um, father is a piece of crap, by the way. Yeah. So this, <laughs> her father was voiced by Michael Sheen, who also played Aro in the Twilight franchise. So like, we just cannot escape this man. We're just keeping it connected. We have yeah two degrees of Nicolas Cage, you know, two degrees of Michael Sheen. Same thing. Yeah, the, sm- the, the small and tall auditory universe. <laughs> um. But yeah, so this little girl whose name I have already forgotten. Lizzie. Um, thank you. Takes Tinkerbell back to her house and is like, yo, what's up with fairy stuff? And this is when we learn 
that um, Tinkerbell, this is when we learned that fairies cannot communicate with humans. Because when Tinkerbell, yeah, when Tinkerbell starts to talk to Lizzie, she only speaks in bells, which is, I will admit, pretty cute. It's pretty cute. Um, Tinkerbell is trapped in a cage for a little while. Okay, first of all, (laughs) I appreciate Tinkerbell because as soon as that house was opened, she was out of there. She was like, let's go. Let's go. (laughs) We gotta get out. (laughs) And... Like, it's one of those instances of, like, you see a fly trapped in your room and you have a window open and you're just like, how do you not, how do you as a fly not know that you're supposed to go out there? This room was, like, it didn't have any windows opened or anything, but, like, Tinkerbell, you're not an idiot. Go under the door. You could find a way out. And instead, she gets terrorized by a cat and gets chased, essentially, into a birdcage. And, like, Vidya had flown up to the house to, like, follow them and try and help Tinkerbell escape. And when she flies up to the window, she sees into the father's office, which has a bunch of taxidermy butterflies, which has to be, like, a horror movie scene for these fairies oh, who, like, absolutely. take care of them and paint the butterflies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so Tinkerbell is now trapped in this birdcage. First of all, she could have gotten out of that birdcage so easy. It's one of those things where this movie goes out of its way to tell us how smart and uh, in- ingenious uh, Tinkerbell is. And then you put her in a cage with a single with a simple spring lock, and it takes her, like, I don't know, an hour to dismantle it. <laughs> She doesn't even dismantle it. The little girl opens it because she can't because you have to like press the top and the bottom at the same time. And Tinkerbell's too little to do that. So she just sits there until the little girl comes back and is like, oh, sorry, where are my manners? Let me let you out. And then Tinkerbell tries to escape again. And the little girl's like, which fair, which fair. And the little girl's like, no, I just want to know about fairies. I just want my father to pay attention to me. Oh yeah, let's re- let's remember the humans in the world of Peter Pan are dare I say annoyingly British. Annoying, <laughs> very, very London British because we see Big Ben all the time. Um, but yeah, so Lizzie basically guilt trips uh, Tinkerbell into teaching her about the fairies and staying, even though it stops raining. Because that's the reason why she doesn't escape as soon as possible is because it's raining for most of the time that she's there. And like we established previously, fairies cannot fly when wet. Doesn't make sense, but okay. Um, And this is where we get to the, how do I say, boring part of the movie? Because it's a lot of Tinkerbell teaching this girl about fairies and also Vidya and the rest of the warm fairies trying to get Tinkerbell out of the house. And it's, it doesn't really go past that. Like, (laughs) not much really happens on either end. The fairies were literally like, Tink, Tinkerbell, the humans cannot learn about us. And as soon as Tink befriends this little girl, she's like, let me tell you all about fairies. Dude, I do want to say, though, they did a really good job at making Lizzie as annoying as possible from just, like, the concept of how kids behave. Like, nine-year-olds, by reputation, ask a billion questions. And, oh boy, did Lizzie do that. Oh boy, did she. And, like, the rule was, like, 
I'll tell you all this information, but you can't, but you can't tell your father. And what does she do as soon as possible? Attempts to tell her father, but her father doesn't listen because he is a piece of crap, as I have said before. Listen, I I agree. He is definitely a piece of crap. Because, like, how do you, how can you not tell that your daughter is, like, vying for a scrap of your attention? Just a little bit of tenderness and care. But I also see, a, I don't want to say I see where he's coming from. I understand, like, okay... I am a very scientifically minded person and my daughter is convinced that fairies are real. And like, I, I, I understand him kind of wanting to be like, don't put all your eggs in this basket, but, but like, he, yeah, he, he's aggressive about it. He's mean she's about a it. Child feed into her childish little wonders as long as you can. Like, yeah. When my aunt, yes, aunt was like five or six years old, maybe even like eight years old, they still believed in, you know, Peter Pan and fairies and all that stuff. So for Christmas, I wrote them letters from Peter Pan and they were ecstatic (laughs) about it. So I, I am totally a person who's like feed into that stuff as long as you can. Yeah, for sure. It's just... Th- their dynamic was just weird. It like it didn't even feel heartbreaking to me. It was just kind of an it, it was annoying to watch. It was frustrating to watch, if anything. Yeah. So the other fairies, while Tink is telling all of the secrets and helping the little girl Lizzie create a scientific journal all about fairies, they are learning to sail in order to get to Tink in the rain. And this is where we get the TikTok audio. I don't really I have that exact same note. (laughs) I have that exact same note. (laughs) But yeah, that's where we get the TikTok audio of like, aren't you a garden fairy? I love that. I love that. Also, I just thought it'd be really funny if they spent all this work and effort building a boat and then it immediately stops raining. Uh, Or like it falls (laughs) apart, like typical Tinker stuff. But also, they don't use the boat that much. No, because it breaks on a waterfall. (laughs) So, are the Tinkers good at their job? Enough. (laughs) (laughs) They're average. And Clank and Bobble actually get to go on the adventure this time but still miss out on all the like intense (laughs) things like the fairies are about to get run over while clank and bobble are going to grab like something to pull was it vidya out of the mud yeah yeah vidya falls in some mud and they're like okay we'll go find something to pull her out and then this car is coming along about to run them all over and then they are able to stop it and pull her out using a man's shoelace and yeah. By the, the time they get back, it's over. <laughs> yeah, the sun fairy is the only fairy that like used her powers like effectively in this movie because she or she's a light fairy, I guess technically. Because the tractor that's about to run them over, she use she like steals the light from the headlight and then shines it in the driver's eye so he would stop the tractor. And I'm like, it's finally, someone is doing something. But weren't they in a field? No, they weren't were on they in the like road. Oh, hey guys, welcome to the Small and Tall Podcast. My name is Craig. <laughs> I'm an idiot, so keep that in mind. Carry on. 
I'm a I'm the fact check half of this podcast. I thought it looked like oh, you know why I thought it looked like a tractor? Because it's I an forgot how tiny car. Yeah, because I forgot how tall cars were back then. Huh. Well, I'm not going to beat myself up about this. Uh, this. So uh, as I was watching this movie, I was scrolling through the trivia. All the trivia that IMDb has for these movies is pretty scarce. However, it did say that this was the first Tinkerbell movie to get like a nationwide theatrical release because they wanted this movie to um, be in the Oscars. They wanted this to win an Oscar. (laughs) Wrong movie. (laughs) Wrong Tinkerbell movie to try to get an Oscar for. Do you know what won an Oscar the year this movie would have been nominated? Hmm. Toy Story 3! <laughs> hey, hey, Disney fairies, you're doing great. You're making pretty decent content. You are not making movies better than Toy Story 3, and you should know that. Oh, that is, yeah, that was, the, they should have, if they were going to do any, they should have done the first one. I'm just saying. Yeah, uh, whatever. Um. So, eventually, the fairies trying to rescue tank they make it to the house they get inside they do this weird like pixie dust kitchenware dance it's the fairy olympics Uh, across the fine china yes yes exactly that (laughs) um oh but 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 wait 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 before that the father caught one of the butterflies that was like mispainted due to like a wind or something blowing and the father caught it and has been keeping it in a jar and Tinkerbell like is in the office and sees this butterfly and my the only time I cried during this one was when <laughs> the poor little butterfly looks so distressed in this jar and is just like looking at Tink like don't leave me save me please and so Tink yeah Tink lets it out and then the father blames the little girl for letting this butterfly he was about to present at a museum out and sends her to her room. And Pixie Dust has been said to be in, like, low supply or, like, they need to, like, ration their quantities of it to make it last. But while the little girl's in her room, Tink is like, you know what? I'm going to teach you how to fly. Here's all of my Pixie Dust. Okay, so, so I will say fly. I will say in the movie's defense... In the previous, they only have to ration when the season is coming to a close, I think. So when they're running low because they haven't done the Moonstone thing, that's when they have to start rationing. Um, And since Tinkerbell did her Moonstone adventure, they have more pixie dust than they ever have before. So I I think they're allowed to play a little more fast and loose. I guess, but I th- I also think that that was like another nod to Peter Pan because before the kids fly oh, yeah. out in Peter Pan, they fly around the bedroom. Yeah, that's exactly what that is. Um, but in uh, on the point of the butterfly, that was a very morbid scene because there's just a shot of the butterfly in the jar with all of its dead brethren <laughs> pinned to a wall behind it. Yes. Like, holy crap. I, what? That's, that's why bad. I cried. I was like, that's messed up. Like, that shot alone makes me think about the entire ethics of taxidermy as a whole. <laughs> well, as long as they're, like, ethically captured, not killed to be taxidermy. Like, as long as they're yeah. already dead, then it's okay. So, um, yeah, so the butterfly gets out and 
uh, when Lizzie's father finds out about it, she gets blamed for it. He's like, you and I are the only two people in the house, and I certainly didn't let it out. So what happened? And Lizzie's like, you wouldn't believe me even if I told you. And he's like, well, then go to your room. So she goes to her room and, you know... Tinkerbell's like, hey, let's fly. Yeah. Um, so that, so she, they start making, uh, causing a ruckus up in her room and the father comes up like, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, why do you have footprints on the ceiling? And she once again says word for word, you wouldn't believe me even if I told you. And he's like, well, f- just try me, I guess. Like, I'm desperate at this point. And that, and she's like, all right, here we go. Cracks knuckles. <laughs> it's you fairies. for it. And believe it or not, he didn't take that well. No, he started throwing away all her fairy drawings, telling her that it was a waste of time and she needed to grow up. And so Tinkerbell got mad and then came and cussed him out in Bell. So I really want the director's cut of where I learned what she actually was telling that man. Because <laughs> you know it wasn't pretty. <laughs> oh, dude, that shot was kind of terrifying. Uh, It was terrifying, but also hilarious. Because, like, can you imagine, like, an ant sized human flying at you beat red that's terrifying all right but then you add the fact that she's screaming bells at you and not like gong bells like little um jingle bells uh, yeah exactly Uh, just like that's somehow terrifying but also hilarious i don't know if i would be able to take her seriously (laughs) do you think fairies and ant-man would get along oh absolutely (laughs) I have no, what would happen, what would happen is, um, the fairies and Hope would get along super well, Ooh. and then Paul, and then Scott would be like, all right, I know about this, they're fair, what do they know? Like, come on. And Hope is like, come on, you, you know better than that. And then they event, and then by the end of the movie, Scott's like, you know what? You're not half bad. That's, That's exactly how, I want that movie. <laughs> Disney, take my money. <laughs> Hey, if this is not season two of What If, I don't want it. <laughs> Let's write Disney right now. Um, so, yeah. So now the dad knows about fairies and he can't dispute that evidence. So he's like, okay, here we go. I don't Time have a capture- butterfly. I don't have a butterfly to present. So I'm going to capture this fairy. And he certainly catches a fairy, not Tinkerbell. He catches Vidya, who knocks Tinkerbell out of the way right at the last minute. Because Tinkerbell, once again, was oblivious to what was going on around her. So now, the great fairy rescue goes from, we need to get Tinkerbell, to, we need to get Vidya. Because the dad has now captured Vidya and is taking her to London to, like, show her off at a science expo. But, hey, guess what? It's raining again. Because it's London. (laughs) This movie only rains out of convenience. And it got frustrating after a while. It's also London where it just rains and rains and rains. But the problem was it wasn't consistently raining. There were parts where it was like, it it, it only felt like it was raining when rain would be a problem. Like, because there were, there were lots of clear sky moments. And in those, it's one of those things where 
Every time Tink wanted to leave, it was raining. But whenever she decided to stay, it was clear. And so that's why that kind of got frustrating after a while. But because it's raining again, they're like, we can't fly, but we can use all of our pixie dust on Lizzie and she can fly to catch up to the car. And that's what they do. Indeed. Sorry, I was burping. How dare you? Well, at least mine were quiet. You can always hear yours on mic. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I don't know if I'm cutting that or not. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so they like try to keep up with the father who's like driving like a maniac trying to get to the museum on time because he has to be there by nine or they're not going to hear what he has to say. And they finally like catch up or like Tink does something to be able to like land in the car and then since they were messing with the car earlier she knows how to like make it stop so she like I, does she pull like a spark plug is that what it is I imagine so yeah it was sparking so I'm gonna assume and it was plugged into something so process I know, like, of elimination kids you know kids movie it's sparking, it's a plug, it's gotta be the spark plug. I don't know, I know nothing about cards. Don't come for me for that, or my British accent. Anyway, so, like, she pulls it, the car breaks down, and then Lizzie's like, No, father, you can't do that, you can't show them the fairies. And the father's like, and, like, all the other fairies show up, and, like, the father's, like, amazed because Lizzie is flying right now. And then the father's like, Okay, I guess not. I guess I won't do that. And then they have a tea party in the sun with all the fairies. The yeah. Event. Yeah. Um, This movie goes from zero to, I don't know, maybe 30. Yeah. And then back down to zero. <laughs> yeah. This one. And yeah. Terrence shows up again at the tea party, but he wasn't there to help save Tink. None of the work. All of the play. He's like, look, I saved her from a whole other island. I'm. You guys take the lead on this one. I'm staying back. <laughs> yeah. Um, overall, this one's my least favorite. I, it's just, I found it boring. Um, I, I think I'm giving this a flat five, which feels bad because I know this movie has a lot of heart and like, I just want to say good intentions, but like, it just couldn't hold my interest. I was giving this one a four. It was oh, wow. so boring. You're brutal. And there's also, like, a change in animation, like, very slightly that just threw off everything for me. Like, I literally messaged Craig and I was like, look, is there a change in this animation or am I going crazy right now? It's definitely, like, a little smoother. Yeah, and it just, it threw me off. Yeah, so that, whatever. <laughs> That's how I always feel about these blah movies, is it's just like, whatever. I'm d- We're done talking about it. We can move on. We watched um, it. We're done. Yeah, so now we're going to move on to Tinkerbell and the Secret of the Wings. And this one slaps, all right? This, this one's one pretty slaps. good. This one's like, pretty good. I, I, watched th- I watched these two back to back, like it, almost like literally back to back. And mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, you know... Great fairy rescue. I thought it was going to be cool, but it wasn't. I was a little disappointed. And then we start Secret of the Wings, and I'm like, all right. All right, this movie's got jokes. This movie's got jokes. (laughs) This is a good one. This is definitely a good one. Yeah, in this movie, we find out that Tinkerbell has a fairy... 
she has a fairy. Yeah, she has fairy godparents. In this movie, we find out that Tinkerbell has a sister because uh, her and her sister were born from the same baby's laugh. I want to know what baby was strong enough to laugh out two fairies. Well, what happened, it was, it was, they were born, and it was kind of like, here's your lesson in um, egg fertilization, so. I'm taking off my headphones. (laughs) No. I I was just gonna say that when it comes to twins, it splits, so the baby's laugh just split in two, and that's how it birthed two fairies. So it's just one laugh, but it split. And so then there were two. Okay, I'm done. Have you have you finished? It wasn't bad. You made it a bigger deal than it was. It's called comedy. <laughs> oh, it's a pain in my ass. That's what it's called. <laughs> um, yeah. Overall, this movie was just funnier. It was more interesting. Um, like it was more engaging. More stuff happened. Like, um, yeah, I didn't it definitely had a faster pace to it like i was engaged the entire time yeah so we start this movie and it's like uh we're prepping for winter and the tinker fairies build baskets so that way they can take them to the winter fairies this is where we learn that there's kind of like a divide between the cold fairies and the warm fairies nothing hostile but just like there's almost like a separation between the two there's definitely a separation between the two so they're making these baskets for the winter fairies and uh, Tinkerbell is like, wait, what's the deal with the winter fairies? And everyone's like, we don't go to the winter forest. It's too cold for us. And Tinkerbell, hey, guys, do you want to take a wild guess at what Tinkerbell does? Just just take a second to think about it. Think about what Tinkerbell has done in the past. The the parameters that we have set up now. Just just take a guess. Did you guess that she went to the winter forest? You'd be correct. What a surprise. (laughs) She helps Fawn take the animals to the crossing because there's this log that's half warm and half cold. So they take the animals to go into hibernation and enter winter. But then, like, Tink is like, okay, I'm gonna go. And then her wings start to glow. But then Fawn, like drags her back out and then of course in typical of the other fairies who haven't learned by now to just believe what tink says they don't believe her and they're actually kind of mean to her like her like friends super are super like, mean they're like nice to her half the time and then the other half the time they're like so mean to her like even in even in great fairy rescue there's an entire scene where they just make fun of her and even oh Vidya's like okay that's a little much like, when you have Vidya standing up for somebody, you know that you've taken it way too far. Yeah. Um, there, the sequence where the animals go across the log is actually super cool. Like, they're they so do cute. this, like, th- yeah, they do a thing where, like, they're brown and red and, like, they're, they're w- warm colors. And then they jump across the crossing and you get to watch them, like, get white fur and, like, get snow covered fur. It was, it was a really they're pretty, it was genuinely pretty. It was genuinely pretty. The winter animation was also gorgeous throughout this entire movie. It was so yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, all the glowing of the snow and crystals and stuff. Like, yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. So anyway, Tink doesn't know, like, why her wings were glowing. Nobody believes her, so she tries to find a book, but uh, the book has been eaten by bookworms. Ha 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 ha. 
And what was the? Hold on. What? What? Where was that bur- bookworm from? It was from a Bug's Life, right? I believe so. Yeah. Or yeah. like it was. It was definitely a reference to a Bug's Life, if anything. Yeah. Because it looked like the giant. I haven't seen the movie, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> but they looked similar, to, anyway, to a Bug's Life animation, and like the fairy. Who's a like a lot of the fairies are really snotty in this movie, like the receptionist so at the snotty. doctor's office, the doctor, the dude at the library. They're so snotty. But anyway, yeah. the dude at the library is like, yeah, you gotta if you want information on that, you gotta meet the keeper. But he's a winter fairy, so we can't ever meet him. And Tink's like, oh, you might not be able to, but I'ma go find him. So she what? puts on this like. Th- we are we are introduced to a new Tinkerbell outfit, which is the winter outfit. It has like a Santa Claus or um kind of jacket and um like snow boots and leggings and stuff. The only time that Tinkerbell wears pants is when she's traveling. Yes. Um. So yeah, she goes into she's like, oh, it's too cold for my wings. I can't fly. So she like tucks her wings into the jacket and she hitches a ride on the baskets that are being made for the winter forest. And, uh, owls come by and pick them up. She hops into one and gets taken to the winter forest. Um, along the way, she loses the book and it gets picked up by the Lord of the winter forest. Lord Minori? Uh, Malori. Malori, right. Who is, uh, let me be clear, voiced by Timothy Dalton, who, if you are not familiar, was James Bond. So let's just take that with us as we carry on. Um, So the, so Lord Mallory takes the book and he's like, Oh, um, this must have accidentally been left behind in one of the baskets. I'll take it to the keeper and the keeper will take it back to the warm fairies. The next time we send something over. And so Tinkerbell follows him pretty much to the keeper. And, um, when the Lord and when Lord Mallory leaves, she goes to or no, somebody else is talking to the keeper before she gets a chance to. And lo and behold, she's talking. The person who's talking to the keeper is like, yeah, my wings were glowing. And then Tinkerbell's like, what? And like sneaks up closer. And then their wings start glowing once again. Lo and, and this behold. is where we find out it's her sister. It's her sister. Now you'd think, you'd think, oh, Tinkerbell, pretty on the nose name. She's a Tinker Fairy. She speaks in bells. Her sister probably has a similar naming convention. No, her name's just Periwinkle. It's Periwinkle. I think it's it was cute. It's a cute name. Oh, it's definitely a cute name, but I'm just like, I oh, know, n- not sister names. You'd think that a movie like this would like double down on like cute sister names. But at the same time, they're also, like, raised in two entirely different environments. Yeah, they're estranged so. siblings. So. But also, the naming conventions in the Winter Forest just generally suck. There's a dude named Sled. <laughs> what? What? One of the fairies. Sled? One of the fairies that are uh, Periwinkle's friend's name is Spike, so. Okay, but, like. There's that. Yeah. Um. Like, you have Lord Mallory, and then you have Sled, Spike, and Periwinkle. <laughs> Maybe it, men it, shouldn't be allowed to name fairies. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, we find out that they're sisters and they're like, oh, now since I've visited the winter forest, Periwinkle, you should come visit the warm land or whatever they call it. The warm forest. While they're meeting and they like learn their story, Lord Mallory comes back in and is like, what was his name? What was the keeper's name? I don't know. Dave. No, I think it was like, it was like. Dwayne or something. It was like Dwayne. It was it was it was like a weird dude's name. You keep talking and I'll look it up. It was Dewey. It was Dewey. Dewey. So Thank you, Jordan. (laughs) Thanks, Jordan. (laughs) So (laughs) now we know that he was listening and watching along with me. Um, (laughs) He's like, Dewey, if a warm fairy is here. You send them back home. And Dewey's like, okay, I'll do that, I guess. Wink, but wink. He doesn't, he doesn't Dewey do is that. the chillest man on the planet. Like, like Tinkerbell's practically a fugitive on this side of the land, right? And Dewey sees her, and it's just like, I get it. I get it. Science. And I'm like, all right. All right, Dewey. Respect. Do- Dewey's there for the science of the glowing wings because, like, they try to, like, their wings are identical, so they try to, like, pair them up and they, like, get zapped and they're like, okay, let's not do that. And then they're, like, in the forest after uh, Periwinkle introduces Tink to her friends and Tink starts a fire, which isn't a good idea. And then, like, they all almost get injured, so Dewey's like, okay, now you gotta go home. It's not safe. And that's when they're like, okay, uh, you should come to the warm side. We'll make something, so that way you can come over there. Yeah, and so Tinkerbell goes over and she tells all of her friends, like, hey, I have a sister. And now they believe her, and they build a contraption that's basically a snow machine, a snowmaker. And so they bring the contraption. And the cold fairies bring a big block of ice. And so the contraption, like, shaves the ice to become snow. And that helps Periwinkle stay cold, I guess. I'm pretty sure that wouldn't work in real life. But this this is a magic fairy world. So I'm letting, I'm letting my disbelief be suspended pretty far on that one. And it only works somewhat. Like, it works for a little bit, and then she's, like, dying. Yeah. So, yeah, she, she's straight up. There's, there isn't ice on her for, like, half a second, and she goes into instant heat stroke. Um, but, yeah, they fly her back, and um, they're like, man, that was a good plan. We should do that again. Um, but uh, is this when we start? we get the lecture on why they are separated in terms of cold and warm fairies? So, when they first took Periwinkle over to the warm side, one of the snow owls, Lord Mallory's snow owl, was watching over them and went back to report to Lord Mallory. So then when they got back was when Lord Mallory was, like, landing and was, like, there to help Periwinkle, like, fix her wings and, like, was, like... And that's when, like, the lecture started being, like, you guys cannot see each other. It's too dangerous. And Queen Clarion is, like, it's my rule not his and then we learn the story as they are separated and told they can no longer see each other which almost made me cry yeah the long and short of it is like there were two fairies that were in love but they were on opposite sides of warm and cold but they decided to risk it and they saw each other but then eventually one of their wings got broken and you can't fix a broken wing uh and now because somebody got hurt uh they have that rule, so they fairies aren't allowed to travel to either side for their own safety. 
Hey guys. And if you'll hey, if you guys have been paying attention in this movie, um, we haven't been doing a good job of describing it. But Lord Malori only flies on an owl, even though he's a fairy. That'll come back later. And he is like so upset about this like snow machine that he knocks it into the river and causes all of the problems. It's not even Tink causing the problems this time. It's Lord Malori being bitter. And so the snow machine gets knocked into the river and they're like, oh, well, and they both both parties walk away. And um, then the snow machine starts working again and starts generating, I guess, a tornado of snow. Because half of the river was frozen and half of it was just water. And so when he knocked it into the river after everyone had left, it broke off a bunch of chunks of ice and put them into the water side and then the snow machine got caught on a log and so these broken pieces of ice were just constantly flowing into it so it was creating more and more snow that it was blowing into the warm side yeah and it, and it was going yeah, at like warp speed <laughs> so they're like oh no the this snow storm is gonna kill the pixie dust tree and they're like we need the cold fairies to help us and um, uh, they learn that earlier on in the movie, one of them, one of the fairies gave Periwinkle a flower as a gift and she frosted it. She put it in a, like an orb of frost. Rosetta what did I say? Gave her a periwinkle. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, and so Periwinkle frosts it. And when she unfrosts it, it's like, oh, the Periwinkle flower is still alive. We should do that to the entire tree of pixie dust. And they do that. <laughs> All of the winter fairies and the warm fairies join forces in saving the pixie dust because if it freezes, they'll have no more pixie dust and everything is ruined. So the stakes are kind of high on this one. Just, just a smidge. Just a smidge. Yeah, and they're like, we can't do it with just six fairies. Like, we need everybody. So Lord Malori comes flying in on his... um you know, snow owl with what I can only assume is the entire population of the winter forest behind him. Oh yeah. I'm almost certain. Like ready to frost this tree up and they frost the tree up. And then the snow storm passes over. It's actually kind of like a tense scene of like all the warm fairies are like, like cowering in whatever space they can find to not get affected by this snowstorm. And I'm like, wow, this is, oh, right- this is weird. Right before they hide, Queen Clarion and Lord Malory have a little moment and he takes off his feather cloak and puts it around her. And that's when you see that Lord Malory is the one with the broken wing. Um, And the snowstorm passes over. Nobody's hurt. It's all good. The uh, pixie dust tree is alive. It The frost plan works. And as they're all coming out of their hiding places, we find, wait, somebody did get hurt. It was Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell's wing is broken. The history is repeating itself. How is Tinkerbell going to fly? Well, and then they talk about how they're sisters and Tinkerbell's like, nothing's ever going to, like, I'm never going to be able to fly. And Queen Clarion and Lord Malory are like, well, you guys can meet at the border. We're not going to keep you guys apart. You're obviously meant to be together. And then they're like, oh, we're sisters. Our wings are even identical, and they turn around and match their wings up again. And what happens? Tinkerbell's wing begins to heal. It goes all crystally and glowy. 
and Iridescent. it starts to yeah, and it starts to fix itself. We did it! Yay! And everybody lived happily ever after, because even Queen Clarion and Lord Malora kiss, and Dewey's like, oh, I didn't know they were going to do the kissy kissy. I guess they're telling people now. <laughs> yeah. Um, that Like I said, this one was much better. This one was much better. Um, I think I'm going to give this like a 6.75. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff happening here. And now I do have a question. Yes. Um, as we all know, fairies are born from a baby's laugh. Um, what kind of fairy do you think your baby, like the laugh, your laugh as a baby would have, would have created? Oh, well, I'm a Pisces, so it was probably a water fairy. Okay. <laughs> if we're being honest. Oh, does that mean that my laugh birthed Vidya? <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> Either Vidya or... Uh, maybe, maybe a Tinker Fairy? Maybe, yeah. But I feel like Tinker Fairies would be Earth. Tinker Fairies would be the Earth signs. So, like... I'm not very handsy, though. So, like, I can't imagine my particular laugh would have done a Tinker Fairy. But I'm also not mean like Vidya. But, like, that's just Vidya. There's other fairies like her. She's just snotty because she thinks she's rare. Okay, sure, sure, sure. She's threatened by Tinkerbell. So, yeah. Yeah, I probably I probably birthed the water fairy. All right, hey guys, so if you're get listening, in the let us know. Let us know. Get in the comments. Tell us what you think your fairy is. Oh, I love All that. All right, all right. Now we're gonna move on to our last two movies. Okay, now listen. Here's the thing. When I gave the list of movies, I might have gotten them in reverse order. That's okay though. Made it's, a little oopsie. So, little oopsie. So we're going to be talking about the Pirate Fairy first, and then we'll do The Legend of the Never Beast. <laughs> Not ready for that one. <laughs> so the Pirate Fairy going into it, it's Tom Hiddleston. It's oh, Tom Hiddleston. It's Tom Hiddleston. That's, yeah. So there. Oh, I also say, I think in the last movie discussion, we talked about pixie dust and how i said they have a constant supply of it until they're about to run out that was just wrong I, I, that, that was just wrong i don't know if i misremembered it or if they never clearly explained it but yeah apparently they're always rationing pixie dust yeah it's just always rationed just because they need it to last forever but the moonstone helps fulfill their rations every couple years also both of us to assume that uh these movies uh follow the same canon and don't bend the rules whenever they need to always (laughs) constantly but this movie we meet zarina a dust fairy and it was really interesting because like this was the first movie where it wasn't like tink centered like Obviously, that's why it's not Tinkerbell and the Pirate Fairy. It's just called the Pirate Fairy. But having somebody else be the troublemaker was kind of an interesting change. I actually kind of enjoyed it. It was, like, refreshing. Yeah, I think (laughs) it's fun that there's just, like, a whole crowd of delinquent fairies that refuse to follow the rules. Also... I just want to say, I feel like Z, as she is referred to frequently, uh, had a lot of justifications. Like, I feel like uh, uh, Fairy Gary was being a little harsh on her. Well, these fairies are like, they're like 
dictators almost because they're like, you don't question why you do it. You just do it. And she's like, but I can make all these different kinds of pixie dust to make everybody's job easier for them. And he's like, no, this is how we do it. This is how you're going to do it. Don't question it. You're not allowed to. Yeah, it's just like, listen, I'm just going to say it. Um, It's very much like the religious kid going through middle school that starts asking his priest <laughs> questions. Yes. Very reminiscent of that. And do you know what happens when you tell a kid to just blindly follow? They don't. They, they don't. They rebel. So, and that same thing kind of uh, tracks here. And so Z... um. Yeah, like you said, she figures out how to make all these different kinds of pixie dusts, which, let me say, is apparently really easy. Right. Like she's just, <laughs> she's just like, hey, let me get a, let me get like a flower petal and puts it in with the pixie dust, and boom, new pixie dust. I'm like, okay, how is she the first one to do this? For real, and like, so. She messes with the pixie dust and ends up, like, destroying, like, one of the production places for... Which was so dramatic. I have a note that, like, I don't... Listen, I know pixie dust is supposed to be strong, but, like, that strong? Like, it was, like, like, it was a bowl full. And, like, a bowl full is not... But at the same time... much pixie dust. You only need, like, a sprinkle, though, like, to make humans fly they put a tiny little sprinkle on them and then they fly so having a full deep bowl full that's a lot of pixie dust i'm 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 not saying it wouldn't get big i'm saying it shouldn't have gotten destroy all of pixie hollow big okay maybe not but anyway (laughs) this little fairy makes one mistake and fairy gary exiles her from her position and is like you're no longer a dust fairy and she like straight up leaves pixie hollow and i'm like okay we just watched three four movies where tink literally messes up big time every movie and is never cast out like that this fairy messes up once and they're like no you're out of here yeah let's be clear tinkerbell is the tony stark of fairy hollow she 100% yeah she 100% creates all of her own problems she she every movie is her own personal Ultron yes but but they still forgive her and they're just like Z you created a new type of pixie dust and we hate you for it (laughs) so then she's exiled and then Years later, a year later, she comes back to steal the blue pixie dust that we mentioned before, and then begins the the plot, the plot, but also the origin of Captain James Hook. Yeah, I I want to talk about that later on. So I we'll we'll put a pin in that and we'll get to it. Um, so she crashes this like fairy festival where all the seasons get together and they basically do this big performance where they like show off their best skills and performances and whatnot. And during this, Z um sabotages it, puts everybody puts essentially everybody to sleep and steals the blue pixie dust. Right. She steals the blue pixie dust and and uh basically, you know, in in true movie fashion, the only ones that were not put to sleep 
are the main characters. <laughs> and Clank. And, and Cl- right when Clank left, I, I forget knew. why. He had to pee. I'm like, yeah, Clank left and I'm like, I, Clank is leaving for a reason. Like something's going to happen and it's going to involve Clank. And here we are. And like um, the little bit of the Four Seasons Festival we got to see was so beautifully animated. Yeah. Um. So the gang is like, okay, we have to go after Z. We have to get the blue pixie dust back. And they do. They follow. They chase her through the woods. And I just want to say there's no reason that Vidya should not have caught up to her. There's no way either. There's no way Vidya should not have caught up to her or there's no way that they should have all been able to keep up with Vidya. Vidya was holding back one way or the other. Absolutely. So they follow her to the ocean, I guess. And there's a pirate ship. And they're like, oh, great. Now we have to deal with pirates. And thus we meet Tom. Hiddleston's character. Yeah. Who is, I'm going to get mean for a second, ugly as sin. I don't think ugly as sin. It's not great. It's not the worst of the pirates, though. Like, the, the problem that I had with Captain Hook's character is he has, you know, the Captain Hook jaw. And, like, general face shape and everything. But they still tried to make him look handsome. So it's just... but So it ended up just being, like, this, like, weird anamorph Jay Leno type character. And I'm like, this isn't it. This is not it. The old, the biggest thing that threw me off was the nose. Like, they just made yeah. his nose totally unproportionate to the rest of his face. Like, I know that Captain Hook does indeed have a large nose. But that was a little... Too extended. Yeah, so we're introduced to all these pirates, and they sing a song, and I'm the so, the song was I'm I'm conflicted about it because the melody and like the rhythm bad I did not like it one little bit. However, the lyrics and the wordplay were kind of impressive. I agree, and it was also nice to hear Tom Hiddleston sing. If you don't know already, my main reason for enjoying watching this was just because Tom Hiddleston voiced James Hook. So, uh, half of this podcast, and I'll let you take a guess at which half, has a teeny, tiny, little bit of a crush on Tom Hiddleston. Just a little bit. And the other half is obsessed with him. (laughs) Not obsessed. (laughs) Not with Tom Hiddleston. Not with Tom Hiddleston. Not with Tom Hiddleston. There are two other people that I will agree that I am obsessed with. But Tom Hiddleston is just a little crush. He's, he could be my father, so that's a little weird. Oh my god. <laughs> so this, we meet fairies. We we find out that Z is the captain of this pirate ship because... Sorry, Mom. They, they want... Um, they, the pirates want Z to use pixie dust to make the ship fly. Yes. So that way so, they can go back to the mainland and nobody can fight them. Yeah. It's pretty much like, it makes sense. You want a flying pirate ship. That'd be cool. But what happened before they like get back to the ship and sing their little song was the fairies went after Zarina and she used her pixie dust alchemy to switch oh, their right, talents yeah. 
And I just want to say that it changed the colors of their dresses, and I wanted every single one of them. Yeah, it was very cool. I think I think I genuinely liked Tinkerbell's the most. That yeah. that blue that blue to green gradient. I'm yes. a fan of that. Fan of that. And I liked they that d- as like a concept of them like switching the roles and like their talents because it like I think it gave all of them like a better understanding of how all of them actually work and think. I definitely agree. I wish that had been the crux of the movie. Yes. It I, that concept definitely took a backseat. And so it would have been really cool if there could have been a movie of them with each other's talents. But, you know, what can you do? What what can you do? Um, my big criticism of this movie, the, the, the reason why this did not hold my attention as heavily is because it, and, and it's the same reason why Great Fairy Rescue didn't hold my attention much either. It's, it, it feels very bottled. Like, they're at Pixie Hollow, and then they're at the pirate ship. And that's kind of the whole movie. And I felt like other movies had more variety of location. Meanwhile, this one is just like, all right, interact with these people for 40 minutes. All right, interact with these people for 40 minutes. Well, yeah, this this film only happens over a day. Like, there's, it's like... <laughs> film. Whatever. <laughs> you and your technicalities. Anyway. <laughs> this little kids movie... Thank you. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it, like, you get the prequel, and then it says one year later, and it's the festival, and then they leave the festival, and it's the pirate ship, and they handled that. And, like, it's overnight from the festival into the next day, and then it's handled by nighttime the next day. So that's why it's so tightly tightly constricted yeah I, I, i'm not saying that it's not justified i just that's i'm just saying that's why it didn't really hold my attention that much it is also a children's movie so okay less location keeps kids attention <laughs> okay are you saying that i have a more capable mind than a child i'm saying you have more attention issues <laughs> is that too much of a read <laughs> So what happens next? <laughs> uh, then they go to get the pixie dust back. And Zarina has, you know, helped them make another pixie dust tree. Because she's that talented. And, you know, then they lock Zarina in a cage. Because they're like, we don't need you anymore. You gave us all the pixie dust that we need. Yeah, yeah. Zarina gives Zarina makes the ship fly, or and pretty much, and they're like, all right, we're good. And then throws her in a cage. And um, this is where Zarina's character arc really starts because they uh, the fairies are fairies, the hollow fairies. That's not what they're called. Um, are able to free Zarina by infiltrating James's cabin and uh, through some fun shenanigans are able to get her out of that cage. And um, they su- don't they successfully get the fairy dust back this time too? So they get it. So Tink tries to take it from the tree and then Hook is like, uh, if you want your friend to live, you better put that back. So then they 
put it back, and then he throws her in the ocean anyway, and they have to yeah. save her. And then the ship is flying, and they're heading to the second star to go to the mainland. And okay, the real fairies. quick, I just want to say, just want to say, so when he goes out on the ship to make that offer, give me the fairy dust, and I'll let your friend go. This is when he first dons the red jacket and red yes. hat. And this is where I realized it was Captain Hook this whole time. <laughs> I had like an inkling, but then as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, James is a rat bastard. Wasn't even on the radar. Not e- Wasn't even clocking it from a well, mile away. The they only- had to spell that out for me. The only reason I figured that's where this was going was because Rosetta, she gets Fawn's animal fairy talent, and they land on an egg, which cracks open, and there's a little crocodile, which is the TikTok crocodile who ends up eating Hook's hand. Yeah, didn't clock that either. I'm just like, oh, that's a cute crocodile. Well... Like I said before, <laughs> Peter Pan is like one of my favorite Disney movies, so that's yeah. why I know. So I don't blame you. Yeah. Um. So they get Z, they rescue Z, and they're like, "All right, time to get the pixie dust back." And Z is like, "All right, I've had my character arc. I want to help you." Um. And they really don't have much of a plan other than go back and sword fight with them. Mm-hmm. Did you like the sword fight? I I thought the sword fighting was kind of awkward. I like it's a it's a cool concept like big humans fighting small fairies with swords like that's a funny concept but like that it felt weird it didn't really have like an elegance to it the actual like sword fighting I was like okay whatever but then once they got into like the actual action where it was the fairies just like trying to make them like hurt themselves or get themselves in a pickle like the pirates yeah. in a pickle like that's when i really started to like like what was going on and there's like one scene where hook like traps zarina against the ship by her skirt and like a sword into the side of the ship and i was like look if this wasn't a disney movie i'd have just taken the skirt off and kept fighting like she sits there <laughs> for like 30 seconds trying to tug her skirt free i would have just taken it off i would be like Nope, we're getting this done. It gets you free, and it's probably a good distraction. Exactly, two for one. Um, yeah, they, that I definitely agree. the The shenanigans was definitely more exciting than the actual sword fighting. Um, then they eventually uh, Z f- squares off against Captain Hook and wins, and he like goes, he falls off the ship, which is in the air into the ocean but as he's falling he falls under like a waterfall of pixie dust so he just flies right back and then they sword fight again yeah they kept that action going this is like the most action there's been in one of these movies and i like as awkward and like childish as it was like that was like one of my favorite aspects of this movie was that it had actually like the most action in it yeah sure totally um it's uh, I mean, I don't really have too much other to say. Like, not too much happens other than other than them sword fighting. Um, eventually his pixie dust wears off. Um, they have him on the ropes. Uh, and they're basically able to defeat the crew, defeat Captain Hook, and he does the thing from Peter Pan, 
where he gets chased by the crocodile <laughs> ye- yelling, I am not a codfish, I am not a codfish. I thought that was cute. That was that was a cute nod. I really liked that. I don't know why I thought this. I thought Captain Hook was going to lose his hand in this movie. Nah, that doesn't happen until Peter Pan comes around. Yeah, so, hey, Disney, give us a... Give us an R-rated Peter Pan movie where the crocodile graphically removes Captain Hook's hand. I just want a Peter Pan origin story in general. Like, they haven't given us that yet. Like, give me the origin. You gave me the origin of Hook. Now give me the origin of Pan. Uh, Did you not watch the movie Pan with Hugh Jackman? I mean, yeah, but I want an animated one. (laughs) Okay. That movie wasn't good either, so I don't blame you. (laughs) Like, I want... It to follow along. I want Tinkerbell to meet Pan and all that jazz. So then they bring Z back to Pixie Hollow. Everyone forgives her. And Al- alchemy is accepted. Alchemy is accepted and never referenced again. Nope. Which is a thing about these movies. Um, it shows you Terrence, children's movies. Terrence had a movie, never seen again. Blaze had a movie, never seen again. Uh, the Sister had a movie, never seen again. They're they bring seen. up Alchemy, never they're, seen again. They're seen, they're just not main characters anymore. Like, uh, Periwinkle was in this movie for like two scenes. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. They reference it enough to make sure that you know they're not dead. Yeah. And then they're like, all right, cool. <laughs> like, imagine being Jesse McCartney and just be like, yeah, I guess I'm still getting these Tinkerbell checks. Hey, I, I wouldn't. Was, money's I, money. I wouldn't complain if I were Jesse McCartney I, and my beauty left me like 10 years ago. Whoa. <laughs> whoa. Sorry. Je- hey, hey, Tom Hiddleston, be careful what 10 years might do to you. No, <laughs> look. Look, there's a difference between the two of them that we won't get into right now. You're lucky. You're lucky we won't for time's sake. Let's move on to the. Oh, uh, flat six. Flat six. Uh, I'm gonna give this one, uh, like 6.4. Okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, Never Beast. <laughs> Look, I don't have a lot of notes for this one because I spent 30 minutes of it, actually, 35 minutes of it crying. Actually, 37 minutes crying. Um, <laughs> well, this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is our final Tinkerbell movie, and you might argue. It's hardly a Tinkerbell movie. It's a fawn movie. This is very much, I think this was like, all right, let's start expanding. Let's get a little bit more, like, let's get some more characters included in here. And then Disney was like, okay, we're canceling your movies, um, <laughs> which is uh, unfortunate, but such is the case. Like Bug said, this movie follows Fawn, who is the animal fairy, and it starts with her sneaking a hawk into Pixie Hollow, which didn't know was a big deal. You didn't know it was a big deal? Nope. Craig, they cover this in the first movie. It's a big thing. (laughs) The first movie was three weeks ago. I remember nothing. They talked about it, but no, but they talked about it in the first movie and they talked about it in the other movies that hawks are predators. Like in the movie, The Great Fairy Rescue, they all hide because they think that a hawk is coming to eat them. Okay, audience, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I didn't realize it was a hawk until they said it was a hawk. I thought it was an owl this whole time. So like, no. so when 
Tinkerbell was like, why are you sneaking this in here? I'm like, who cares? It's an owl. <laughs> it looked cute like an owl. <laughs> I get it. And then the, but like uh, two sentences later, she calls it a hawk. And that's like five minutes into the movie. So Fawn is bringing a hawk into Pixie Hollow. Um, she, uh, she gets in trouble for it. Okay, so so this movie, Fawn, really becomes, like, the Tinkerbell. Like, Z gets in trouble and she gets exiled, but Fawn gets that kind of, like, disrespect that Tinkerbell also gets. Where, like, she's like, I have a good reason for this, my heart is behind this, I genuinely believe in this, and everyone's like, we don't care. Right, so they try and, you know, sneak this hawk out, and then... Rosetta comes and is like, because they're trying to sneak it out in a barrel of blueberries, in a basket of blueberries. And Rosetta's like, we can do this faster and uses pixie dust and ends up uncovering it. And then it causes chaos. And they're like, okay. And then the little hawk makes a noise and the big hawks come and attack everybody. And this is where we're introduced to a fairy that we have never really been introduced to before these are uh scout fairies which are pretty much like the guards of pixie hollow uh they try to keep dangerous predators from attacking the hollow and of course fawn bringing a hawk in makes that more difficult how have we gone this many movies without meeting these characters like this group of scouts like so many things have happened that they should have protected pixie hollow against and they weren't there until then like the entirety of the first movie could have been like just circumvented because those scout fairies should have been on those like tumbleweeds exactly the thistles thistle weeds yeah. Um and so Fawn has uh gets scolded by the Queen and by Nyx, who is the head of the Scout Fairies, or at least that troop of Scout Fairies. Um and she's like, All right, I won't bring any more in. And we get a few scenes of her like teaching animals and like she's like, Hey, don't disrespect me, I'm a responsible citizen now and all the animals make fun of her, um, because they're like, They're she's not responsible. She's the fun teacher, TM, TM, TM. And then does it, does anything happen before she meets the beast? Uh they like hear it like roar. And then she goes to find it while she's teaching the animals. Yeah. So there's a roar. She goes to investigate and she meets this very, you know, puppy-like creature who we learn later is the Never Beast. And she has like a cute little interaction with it. She's like, oh, you should be named Gruff because you're, you know, kind of scruffy. And she spends, uh, there's a montage of her like studying this animal because she's never seen one like it before. So she follows it as it's eating, as it's building, as it's just roaming around. And it's a very scientific little little expedition she's on. She gets a thorn out of its big old paw. Yes, yeah. And that's kind of what makes the Never Beast, like, trust her a little bit more. And eventually they start doing this scene where the Never Beast starts building something out of stones. And she's like, oh, let me help you with that. So she starts using her pixie dust on the rocks, makes the tower building easier and more um, playful. Yes. And playful. And they this is where like their bond really sets in. 
and they become besties. But then all of a sudden, what happens? She like throws it too hard or the never beast hits the rock too hard and it lands in a field of sunflowers and Fawn is like, move out of the way. So the fairies who are in the field don't get crushed. And that's how Nyx finds out about the never beast. Yeah. And they're like, and Fawn is like, all right, I need to tell the gang about this. So she introduces Tinkerbell and the others to the Never Beast, and they're like, I want to tell the Queen about this because it's the right thing to do and I need your help. So they're like, all right, cool. So they sneak the Never Beast to Pixie Hollow, and as Fawn goes in to tell the Queen about it, Nyx is already there. And she's like, hey, good, you're here. We need your help with something because you're the expert on potentially dangerous animals we need to have a conversation. And Nyx is like, with the roar that we heard and some research that I've done, I found, you know, this legend of the Never Beast. And it says, at once every 900 and change years, the Never Beast awake is awoken by a comet and uh, builds stone towers and tries to destroy Pixie Hollow. Through a lightning storm. But something else... That is big with these fairies, along with them being like, don't question the process, just do your job. They also like to jump to conclusions without knowing the entire story of something. Like, they like immediately like think everything is a threat and everything will kill them. Like, they're very pessimistic for being these fairies who like bring joy and goodness. They're like super pessimistic and always like up worst case scenario up this thing's evil and they like and and nix's source of this legend is a page from a book that is ripped into pieces yeah like you don't have the full story and you're like this thing's gonna kill us which like i totally understand taking precautions it, it makes sense to prepare for a worst case scenario, but understand that that might not be the only scenario. This is also the part where I learned that pixies aren't immortal. I no. kind of thought they were ageless. No. So when they were like, it's like this happened 900 and some odd years ago. I'm like, how does nobody remember this? That wasn't in, I'm like, in pixie years, that doesn't seem like that was that long ago. I guess I just thought, like, because Peter Pan was, like, forever young, then Tinkerbell would be too. Mm. So, like, that's kind of where I drew that from. This franchise is just exposing all the ways that I'm dumb and wrong. But also, Um, (laughs) if you were basing it off of Peter Pan and the play of Peter Pan, not the animated movie, and the play and the live action film movie. Sorry, Gregory. Um, she almost dies because people don't believe in fairies. So like, yeah, yeah. I like I knew they could die. I just thought that age wasn't a contender. Ah, I see. Um, but yeah. So the the queen tells the scout fairies like, hey, you can prepare for this bad thing. Just like, don't go overboard with it. Nix, if you think that you can find it, you also do that too. Like, I trust the two of you to do what is appropriate. And then they both leave and do something inappropriate. Yeah, typical fairies. 
So when Fawn leaves, the Pixies have like have been like giving the Never Beast a little bit of fairy dust, so he's flying around. Um and Fawn tells the fairies, like, hey, this is what the queen told me. This is the legend, and they're kind of afraid of it. And all the other fairies are like, Yeah, that kind of makes sense to be afraid of that. So the fairies kind of like abandon Fawn a little bit. Because they're judgmental, as we've mentioned many times in the past. And Tinkerbell sticks around, though. Tink is a yeah. G because she knows how it feels. She yeah. knows. And then the green clouds almost start forming like immediately after that, right? Yeah, like they make a, another pillar. Fawn and Gruff make another pillar. And then at night, she's showing Gruff all the different like a constellation and being like oh it looks like a monkey but if you look at it this way it looks like this and then as she like falls asleep on him he sees the lightning in the distance yeah and so he disappears to go build more towers and um fawn meets up with tinkerbell like hey i can't find gruff we need to find him before the scout fairies do because they're gonna capture him and probably hurt him and so Tinkerbell and Fawn split up. Tinkerbell is the one that finds him. And from our perspective, Tinkerbell goes up to Gruff, aggravates him, and he tail whips her and puts her in the hospital. Well, she doesn't aggravate him. He's already aggravated and acting weird. Like the lightning strikes near the tower and like it causes him to have like a very like hostile reaction that Tinkerbell's like, okay, uh, Gruff, it's me, I'm Tink. And then she gets tail whipped and put in the hospital, like you said. And we later find out that Gruff was protecting Tinkerbell from a falling tree. And, you know, from when we get this perspective the first time, this is kind of like, we as an audience start to question like, Maybe they were right. Maybe Gruff is a bad guy. Like maybe the the maybe Nix's prophecy is true and we should like look out for that. But as the movie goes on, we find that that's not the case. So they get Tink back to the hospital and then Fawn's like, okay, she like talks with Nix and they're like, okay, we're going to make this plan to take this dude, this monster down. And so Fawn like finds him again and goes up to him and is like, it's me, it's Fawn, and then the scouts use nightshade powder to make him blind and go to sleep, and they put him under a net, and he just wants Fawn, and this is when I start crying. Yeah, this is very, this is where we start to get, like, some real, like, human-animal bond type deals going on. This is when I start crying, and I don't stop (laughs) until it ends. Um... So the scouts capture um, Gruff and the lightning starts striking more intensely. And eventually the fairies are able to find out like, oh, Gruff isn't causing these lightning storms. Gruff is protecting us from these lightning storms. And they all get together and they use pixie dust to get the net that they that the scouts used on Gruff. They lift the net up. And uh, because Gruff can't see because of the agent that the scout fairies used to put him to sleep, it like messed with his vision. Uh, Fawn leads him to the rest of the towers so he can siphon the electricity and protect Fairy Hollow. Yes. So they're like, 
Fawn is guiding him because as he gets struck with the lightning from each tower, he gains like an extra ability. Like he grew horns in the winter fairy area and then in the winter season. And then well, the next one, he gets like wings and is able to fly. And so like they're flying around to all these places to try and get to the next two towers. And they get to the autumn court or whatever. <laughs> I can't think of the right word right now. And they get that one, and they're on their way to summer, the summer season, the summer area. And what happens? What happens? Little Miss Nix had gone on with her own agenda, not getting the memo, and decided to destroy the pillar. Yeah, so now we don't have the final pillar, and it's like, well, and then what Pixie, are we supposed to do? Pixie Hollow goes up in flames because the lightning is now striking pixie hollow and fawn is like dude like he's protecting us and you just ruined it and gruff even protects nix from getting hit with lightning and she's like oh crap i just messed up big time and in a last desperate move fawn leads gruff up into the eye of the storm the the center of all this negative energy and there's this like really intense sequence of lightning all striking in the same place in the sky and building up what is very clearly an intense amount of energy and eventually that energy just builds up builds up builds up and explodes dispersing the clouds in the sky not harming pixie hollow but it does knock fawn all the way to the ground killing her well they catch her before she falls entirely. So uh, she was dead while she was falling. And the Never Beast is still alive and they catch him as well. And he's like, Sup- I'm sobbing at this point. Full on sobbing at this point. Yeah, he's there's like- just like a moment where the um, the fairies are all huddled around Fawn. And the nurse fairy just like looks at them and gives them the the stereotypical solemn just like no shake of the head like no she's not gonna make it and then yeah gruff like goes to her side and starts you know like pawing the ground and whimpering and whatnot a very emotional moment and there's still like some lasting electricity coursing off of him that then like goes into fawn and like shocks her back to life and then he like it's all good everything's good and they you know he helps the pixies the fairies with things around for a day but then he starts getting really sleepy and fawn's like oh no he's supposed to go into hibernation and the other fairies are like oh but he just he just needs a nap right like we'll we'll be able to see him again right and she's like no it only he only wakes up every like thousand years and then i'm sobbing again yeah so there's this really nice scene of the fairies bringing Gruff back to his little cave. And they all brought a little something for him to make the hibernation more comfortable. Like a cool breeze and, a, and like a little stuffed pillow and whatnot. A nightlight and, like, and fresh yeah, and water. And they're all giving him nice things. And then Nyx goes up and she's like, and you've also earned... The respect of a scout fairy. And I'm like, do you not understand? That is the least important thing in this room right now. At least he forgives her, though. And, like, they have a cute little moment. And 
they have to play the saddest song while this is going on, which is just making me cry <laughs> even harder. I literally sent Craig a video of me just sitting on my couch sobbing to this part. Yeah, so that's uh, the end of our last Tinkerbell movie. Um, here's the thing. When you make six movies, even if they're 70-minute little animated made-for-TV movies, give us a finale movie. Give us a movie where we get closure or something. Come on. That's Disney, that's my, I just, I just, Yeah, <laughs> I just don't like it when things end. Like, this did not feel like an ending. Like how Black Widow didn't feel like an ending. But... Whatever. Disney just likes to throw things in the garbage halfway through. Um, This one, I think I'm going to give a flat seven. I don't have a rating for this because I can't give it a fair rating at all because I really love it because it's cute. But I hate it because it just makes me cry for 35 minutes. <laughs> so I can't even accurately rate it because I'm so torn. Um, Overall, as a series... I think I'm I'm content with giving this whole franchise a flat six, just like as a whole. You know, they're cute movies. They're I, I, they're they're cute. They don't they have their problems. They're not perfect, but like they're not a waste of time. Right. I, I um, definitely agree. Yeah. I, I mean, the only one that was a waste of time was Great Fairy Rescue, Tea. which is which is kind of what brings the the rating down a lot. But overall, I, I think I'm giving the whole thing a flat six. I think six, 6.5 personally. Yeah, totally. So next month's episode. Oh, it's September. What are we going to do? Rom-coms. That's right. We're taking your stereotypical February theme, plopping it into September. So we went ahead and curated a small little list of the movies that we are going to be watching for next month's episode. And we are going to be watching 13 Going on 30, 10 Things I Hate About You, 27 Dresses, and Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Now, if you're listening to that list and you're like, man, they should have done a fourth movie with a number in the title. Deal with it. Hey, deal with it. We should have just done What's Your Number? Well, it's too late. I've already announced the list. Um, how do we outro this podcast? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> I think I just thank everybody for listening and tell them that we'll see you next month. Yeah. Our Twitter handles are going to be in the episode description if you want to follow us on Twitter. Uh, our next episode will be out on the last Friday of September. This has been Small and Tall. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next month for rom-coms. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. Woo!